Good afternoon, boxing fans around the world. Back again on Combat Talk Radio, found at combattalkradio.net with a our weekend of boxing updates here. Feel free to check us out. Once again, the site is combattalkradio.net. Leave us some comments, questions, suggestions, feedback on how we're doing, and we will get right into our weekend of boxing. we got a stacked weekend here, boxing fans. Let's go ahead and get through this as best we can. So uh, today... This is happening today, believe it or not, as I record this, out here in the uh, United States. Kanju is making his return. Kanju is the, he was an upcoming star. The problem with Kanju is that he seems to falter when it comes to the upper echelon of the division. So he's fighting Brandon Benitez. That's going to be shown on Pro Box. If you don't know what the heck Pro Box is, don't feel bad. Neither did I until I saw this thing. But Apparently, it's like this young up-and-coming thing. They had, um, like, Roy Jones and others featured on it to try to help hype it. Uh, Pauly was on there. So, and uh, I believe Tarver, maybe. But it's something to at least look at is this pro box. It's not better than, like, you know, others. But always, it's good to have some other platform since we had HBO kill out. That's happening out in the White Sands Event Center in Plant City in the United States. If anybody's interested in that fight, I don't know very many people who are interested in that fight. But again, he's a decent fighter. I'm not saying anything trash about him. He's a decent fighter. I think he's a very solid competitor. You know, I don't want to say gatekeeper, but he's a solid competitor. It's just he doesn't step up when it comes to the upper echelon. Seems like he falls short. So that's today. That's the only fight I see that's on deck today. Of course, as usual. There's probably some other unknown fights that's buried uh, that you need to take a look at. Some of the big fights we got that's happening tomorrow. First one up out in the Home Depot Center out in Carson. Fundora, Sebastian Fundora, he's fighting Carlos Ocampo, a.k.a. Kema. And listen, I'm going to say this. There are people who are grossly underrating Carlos Ocampo because of what happened with Errol Spence. For those who don't know the story, Carlos Ocampo fought Spence way earlier in his own career. It was a weird thing. It came out of nowhere for him to get that shot. And Carlos Ocampo is a body puncher. He's he's a body assaulter. That's what he does. He goes after your body relentlessly and with power. And so it was kind of this war of attrition between Spence, who is also himself a strong body puncher, and Carlos Ocampo. And Spence, at the closing minutes of the round, closing seconds of the round, hits him with a brutal shot and then a kidney shot. Carlos goes down. He can't get up. Campo has not been... significantly hurt or disrupted since that fight. And he said, you know, if anything, I've gotten better since then. And so people are overlooking him because of that one loss. He only has the one loss to Errol Spence. Sebastian Fundora, meanwhile, has not lost. He's gone to a draw. He struggled in one of his fights. People look at him as tall, and he is rangy, and he is strong. I don't see this. I see that he just walks you down, plods forward, walks you down, and hits you, but he eats shots, and that concerns me. Same with Boots Ennis. Guys that just leave himself open for shots, Fundora leaves himself open for punches. His big advantage is his height, which he does use, and his reach advantage, which he does use, plus he's a southpaw, which makes him dangerous. I acknowledge all this. At 154, I do believe he could be a threat. Here's the thing. Nobody has ever attacked Fundora's body. We don't know how he'll react to brutal body punching. Ocampo's the one person who I can think of other than Spence who could expose whether or not Fundora is solid to the body. Now, Ocampo has a very short reach in comparison to Fundora. Ocampo is much shorter than Fundora. So the only question I've said was, 
We need to know whether Ocampo can reach Fundora. That's it. If Ocampo reaches Fundora, the second level is, how does he take the body assault? Because in the past, Fundora has been hurt to the body, and, but not to the point that beat him. That's the test to me. Others, like NSB, they claim that Fundora is going to blow the guy out. I don't personally see it. Could it happen? Absolutely. If Ocampo goes in there, fights stupid, leaves himself open upstairs, which he didn't do against Spence, but if he does, yes, Fundora could take advantage of it. But if Fundora just plods forward and keeps his defense dropped like he usually does in other fights, I do see that Kemma could pull out a shock victory, and it would be a shock even though Kemma has way more experience in the ring than Fundora. I think it would be a shock just because of the optics, right? Fundora is so much freaking huge that I wouldn't expect him to get you know, destroyed by Ocampo. However, I acknowledge it could happen because I've seen Kemma fight. I think he's a solid fighter. It's going to come down to whether he can reach him. If he's if Fandora keeps him on the end of that rangy punch, then Okapa could get hit with something and get taken out. Absolutely. I just am saying I don't think we should underrate Okapo and just let the fight play out and see what happens. Interesting thing about this event, then Okapo's or excuse me, Fandora's sister, her kid, his kid sister is going to be fighting. She's I, I don't know if she's making her pro debut, but she's fighting on the undercard, and she looks a lot like him. But apparently, she's a very solid fighter. Not a world champion. She just recently won, like, I think it's a regional title or something else, but apparently a very solid fighter. She's making her debut underneath this undercard here in some form, so that may be something to watch. The undercard also, Carlos Adame is making his fight against Montiel. We've got uh, Fernando Martinez fighting German Ancajas, who, of course, was supposed to fight somebody else, and that didn't happen. Um, Egidius Cavalascus is making his return. He's fighting McCall Fox. That's an interesting matchup. For those that don't remember these names, of course, Egidius Cavalaskis, two-piece, wobbling and dropped everybody's pound-for-pound number one in Terrence Crawford. And by the way, certain have dropped him now from number one. McCall Fox, here, here's the funny thing about this dude, right? He fights a guy named Meister a little while ago, and I'm watching the fight, and all McCall Fox did was basically just, he was flashy. It was all sizzle, no steak. He was pumping a jab that wasn't really touching at all, and everybody's going crazy, like NSB. Like, no, he completely dominated Meister. Deep, deep. He did not dominate anything. He barely landed anything. And when he did land, it didn't do anything. Meister kept walking forward. Meister was not to be stopped. Meister was landing every time he got inside. It wasn't close in my eyes. And rightfully so, Mikhail Fox took an L, which I said, that's the right decision. He did not win that fight. Everybody's calling NSB. They're calling robberies. It was not a robbery. Watch the freaking fight. He wasn't doing anything. To Meister. That's why I'm intrigued by this fight because McCall Fox's style should frustrate Cavalaskis. Here's the thing Cavalaskis, for whatever freaking reason, is able to get inside and cause some hurt on everybody he fights. So when he fought Virgil Ortiz, he had Virgil Ortiz wobbled at points. Of course, two piece wobbled and dropped, pound for pound, number one Crawford. So, but Cavalaskis can't seem to close the show as good as he is. So I think Cavalaskis could expose something in McCall Fox and Fox has lost before. So it's not like he's a stranger to losing. I'm saying that his style should frustrate Cavalaskis. I think that's an interesting one to watch and maybe I will tune in and check that one out. The other one here is Hogan, Dennis Hulk Hogan. He's making his return. He's fighting a person I covered on the legend side with Sam Eggington. Sam Eggington initially, apparently was, he said he was going to retire and apparently he rethought this and said he's going to keep on going. He's young. And I talked about that, that 
JC's young. Why are you thinking about retiring? This is on Newcastle in South Wales, by the way, on Australia. If you're going to check it out, both guys are really good fighters. They're not top tier, but both guys are really good fighters. Both guys are warriors. Dennis Hulk Hogan is certainly older. I expect a war in this one. I expect these guys are going to be going after each other. If for no other reason than Hogan trying to prove something, but Sam Eggington, it seems like he, he always just goes to war. Every time he's out, he just goes to war. Even if he doesn't get his hand raised. And here's the ironic thing. Hogan has been in the game a long time, a long time. But yet in terms of experience, it's about the same rounds, same as Sam Eggington by like one or two rounds, maybe difference. That's nuts. Sam Eggington's only 28 years old. Hogan's 37 years old. And yet Eggington has the same level of experience as Hogan. That's telling you. Eggington has just been a fighter. He's been in there. He's been banking rounds. So you can't discount Eggington for nothing. And Eggington has a longer reach. Eggington is taller. He's younger. He's hungrier. It feels like he's hungrier than almost everybody else <laughs> other than, you know, Cheeseman, Ted Cheeseman. So I like this fight a lot. I'm, I'm disappointed in seeing that stat. That's like, geez, you guys, a 10-year difference, and he has the same roughly experience as you did. That's nuts. But I, I'm a real big fan of Sam Eggington. Um, I think Sam Eggington deserves what he's getting, is in whatever paydays he's getting. And he deserves recognition for being that warrior kind of guy that gives you the fights that you deserve. Now, let's go ahead and talk about what's up next for next week. That's going to wrap up our week this week. Of course, I talked about the undercard uh, at length. That's the vast majority of the fights. It's going to be Fundora Campo plus all the undercard fights. Next week, we got some really good stuff happening. The rematch for Devin the Dream Haney, who is the unified champion at lightweight against George CM Punk Cambosis, trying to get back what he lost in the ring after a boxing clinic. I frankly think this is a waste of a rematch for one reason. The fight taught us that Cambosis simply has no answer. He cannot seem to do anything to this, to this, to Devin Haney at all. From what we saw, it was like, this isn't close, and why are we having this rematch? That's how bad this thing is, man. I was. So I was like, okay, that's whatever it is, what it is. So I think it's a waste of time. I think Devin Haney's going to outbox Cambosis again. He might get a little bit closer, like maybe to a split decision or something, but I don't think that Cambosis has anything for Devin Haney. That's my opinion. Cambosis then said, you know, I may need to retire if I can't pull this out. It's not like he doesn't have stuff to give to the game. He does, but at the same time, you know, there's levels, and I think Devin Haney is just that much better that I don't see much difference unless they completely rob him, which absolutely could happen, but they didn't rob him the first time. He came close, but they didn't. The undercard of this one then has brothers Jason Maloney and Andrew Maloney. They're coming back. Jason Maloney, he's going to be fighting uh, Kaikana. I don't know anything about those two guys. Uh, I do know about Andrew Maloney a little bit. I have not followed him. He's fighting a very interesting guy named Norberto Jimenez. I want to talk about Norberto Jimenez for just a moment. 31-year-old kid, very strong kid. He's had some losses, but he seems to show up as in he he's a fighter. He'll just fight as much as he can, and he's appealing to an audience. So he's a draw, even though he doesn't. he's not like this super winner type of guy. He always comes to fight. He always tries. <laughs> he tries his ass off. So I, I got to give hats off to him because he just seems like one of those, kind of like a Mayorga. He's not like Mayorga, but I'm saying just, he'll just go and fight. He just seems to like to fight and he enjoys the game. 
Uh, women's fight, Johnson versus Ramadan, also on that same undercard. So that's Haney versus Cambosis deal. That's, of course, the zone. ESPN Sky Sports out in the O2 Arena in London. You got Clarissa Shields fighting Savannah Marshall. This is the final unification fight for these two at middleweight. These have been talking back and forth. Savannah Marshall's the knockout artist. Savannah, uh, excuse me, Clarissa, rather. Shields is the boxing masterclass, but quite boring at times and has been wobbled at times. And there's been the trash talk. And this was initially going to happen before. And then it got delayed when the queen died. And in the queen's honor, they, you know, the WBC made up a belt for this business. But this is unification. This is to get all the, get all the gold for these two. I've said, I believe that they have the same number of wins. It's just that, you know, Marshall's is by knockout. Shields is by decision. Vastly and Marshall knocked out somebody that Shields went the distance with. I've said that even if, even if Shields is able to get put on a boxing masterclass, that's absolutely possible. I'm saying don't dismiss Savannah Marshall and that power because she could lay. We haven't seen Shields' chin really tested. And she could get exposed. That's all I'm saying. It's possible. How likely? I don't know because it depends on what shield shows up. What version of her shows up? Does she show up with a chip on her shoulder and something to prove? Marshall seems really more composed. Shield seems like she just gets turned up where she can make a mistake. And that's possible, just like Terrence Crawford. I'm saying don't dismiss Savannah Marshall. On the flip side, if Shields can maintain her composure and just kind of get the work done, focus on banking rounds, she could absolutely outbox Savannah Marshall. I just think people are dismissing Marshall unfairly is all I'm saying. Return of Michaela Mayer. She's fighting Alicia Baumgartner. This is, of course, another unification at Super Featherweight Action. Same thing, ESPN and Sky Sports. I've watched both at a distance. Don't know significant about each other than the fact that Baumgartner is better than she comes across. She's a very good fighter. She only has the one loss, and arguably, the one loss that she had, you know, it could have gone either way. It was it was tough when she when she uh, fought, and she gave an interview and just basically says, "Hey, look, it happened. I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna do what I got to do to beat uh, Michaela Mayer, who is undefeated." Do I think that she can beat Michaela Mayer? Maybe. However, Michaela Mayer has a lot of experience, a lot more experience, arguably twice the experience. Michaela Mayer seems like a more rounded fighter, as in just skill level. Baumgartner just has a danger <laughs> to her. I guess that's the difference. Mayer just is a, she's a sound fighter. Baumgartner is a dangerous fighter. So if, if you think of it that way, then you look and say, okay, then who theoretically should win this? Well, theoretically, you know, Mayer should win on paper. The real measure we have is against Terry Harper, where Baumgartner just stopped Terry Harper, and that told us, okay, there's something, there's something here. Baumgartner's got something, right? And she's dangerous, but Mayer is just so dang good. You, you can't just go with that and say that's all. My gut tells me Michaela Mayer is going to put on a master class. She'll get hurt, but she'll put on a master class to a, uh, to a win and go on to greater things, is my gut speaking. Uh, Deontay Wilder, Robert Hellenius. Of course, this is the big fight in Barclays Center, New York. This is next week, again, to remind. Next week, Fox Sports pay-per-view at heavyweight. Return of the Bronze Bomber. Uh, these Robert Hellenius was a sparring partner for Deontay Wilder. Robert Hellenius is a friend of Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder's coming back off of two dominant losses to Tyson Fury. He's only ever lost Tyson Fury. We don't know where Wilder's head's at. Um, he's done a lot, and he's talked a lot, and we don't know where his head's at. That's the test. And with Hellenius being his friend, do we see the body on the record? Or 
Does Wilder get caught with something? Does Hellenius take a dive? I, I think it's a I think it's a necessary fight to have. It's actually an eliminator for the WBC title to come back. Well, that means if Wilder wins against Hellenius as he's expected to, Fury is currently still the WBC champion. I'm pretty sure he did not relinquish it as of now. That means that you end up with Fury 4 if he goes to WBC, unless Fury relinquishes. To my knowledge, he didn't. He relinquished the ring. He did not relinquish WBC. And I know you're like, I know. <laughs> um, that's the only thing I see on that one. I, I think it's a pointless fight, but I, and I don't know why Hellenius is a WBC eliminator. I, I can't, whatever. <laughs> and then Caleb Plant, Mr. Uh, no Hands Plants, making his return. After getting smashed by Canelo, he's fighting Anthony Durrell. Anthony Durrell is a very solid fighter, very solid B-level, let's say, fighter. And Durrell has way more experience than Plant. Plant's been kind of overrated. Of course, he got knocked out by the king, uh, Canelo Alvarez, and this is his return. I believe that Caleb Plant is going to completely outbox Anthony Durrell. I think that Anthony Durrell, he should, frankly, retire. He's a little bit on the older side. He's taken some punishment in fights, and he's had a hard time of it. I don't say that to be mean. I'm just saying that it feels like he is just at, the, at his end. And then others on that same card that are kind of lesser fighters, we've got the returning of boring-ass Frank Sanchez. He's unfortunately on the same card. And on a more exciting side, Mr. Gary Antonio Russell, not Mr. Gary Russell Jr., but Mr. Gary Antonio Russell, who I got to give his credit because he's a really good fighter, like this guy a lot, is coming back. He's coming back off of a close loss, uh, not loss, sorry, close win um, against um, Alejandro Barrios. But I just really like Gary Antonio Russell. I think he's a really good fighter as well, undefeated, so it would be good to watch him. So next week is stacked. I'm not even going to give boring-ass Frank Sanchez the time of day. He's highly ranked, and I don't think he should be. That's our fights. So I talked about this week, and I talked about next week. When we get to next Saturday, I'll talk about our next fights on deck a little bit more in depth, especially if there's any changes. Of course, as you know, the fight between Conor Ben and Chris Eubank Jr. is off. Um, that's because Conor Ben popped for a banned substance, which is used to mask PED use. They come out and said it didn't happen, but it's what it is, and so that fight's not going to happen this weekend and not for the foreseeable future. If you were anticipating that fight, I'm sorry. It's not going to take place. Feel free to search out the details on that one. But at the end of the day, what he popped for, you would only find in an athlete if they were trying to mask PED usage. That's just the bottom line. I ain't trying to say nothing. I'm just telling you the facts of what it is. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Combat Talk Radio, Masterpiece Boxing, found at combattalkradio.net. I want to thank you for listening today, whether you are a subscriber or not. I know you have choices, and I appreciate you for being here. Just to remind those that are new to the show, Combat Talk Radio records every Friday, so once a week in the Pacific time zone. And then Lifeblood of Boxing series, which is our coverage of the boxers I think are worth your time and give to the sport. That's once per month. It does not have a fixed schedule, but once a month I'll have a release until I run out of ones that I think are worth covering for Lifeblood of Boxing. So those are our two programs. It is podcast only at this point. We want to hear from you. So combattalkradio.net at the bottom. Hit comments, feedback. Let us know how we're doing. If there's anything that you'd like to see us adjust or improve, we want to hear from you, and we are open to that feedback. We also are open to starting up the YouTube again, but it seemed like that died off when Lomachenko took a loss, and we don't know why. So if somebody knows why or they'd like to hear the YouTube coverage, let us know that as well in the comments. And we are open to doing it. We just need to make sure the fans are there. Right now they're on the podcast. 
not on the YouTube for whatever reason specific. We're open either way. Anyhow, that'll do it, and I will see you guys next week.